Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor and thank you today for your hand of blessing that's upon us. Thank you for the Spirit of God who is our helper, who is our teacher, who is our guide. We ask you now to show us things that we don't see, to teach us things that we don't understand. Help us to walk in the fullness of all that you have provided. We honor and glorify you. Bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John 13 and verse 34 Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also uh, love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, this uh, message on the love of God, of course, is very, very critical to all of our success in God. I mean, He Himself is love. He is defined by love, and we've now been born of love, so it really is the defining factor in the Christian's life. I mean, if we were to put it all down to one thing, how do you explain and define a Christian? It should be love. Okay, and that's not, I just say it again, like I said before, I'm not talking necessarily about an emotional thing. I'm not talking about some chick flick. I'm talking about a powerful source of, of giving, a powerful source of joy, a powerful uh, substance in our lives that ought to radiate from us and through us unto all people. This love of God is not for, uh, for weaklings. I'm telling you, the weakest people in the land do not walk in this. It's only the strong that can handle truly walking in the love of God, okay? And you'll understand that a little bit more as we go. But you remember that we've been sharing with you three primary directions, if if I could say it that way, about the love. And that is God's love to us, God's love in us, and God's love through us. Okay, it's very important that we understand the love of God, uh, the love that God has for us before we could ever adequately demonstrate this love for another person. In other words, if you don't like yourself, you don't really like anybody else too much. If you really are displeased and unsatisfied with your own self, you are not going to be very effective in showing other people you know, love and so forth for their lives. We must first and foremost get established in who we are in Christ, how much He loves us, what He has done us, and understand that God is happy with you. He, a smile comes across His face when He thinks about you. Yeah, and that's, some, I know some people don't believe that. But listen, it's independent of what you do. It's independent of all, of all the areas that you failed in. Because God looks at us through Jesus and through the redemptive work of the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus made. And so he can look at me as sinless and full of him. I look like him. Don't you? You look good. So what do they look like? They look just like God. (laughs) Yeah. Made in His image, made in His likeness. In every area that we've messed up, He came to restore and to fix and to bring uh, a wholeness about our lives and our beings so that we can stand up boldly and confidently and like ourselves. Amen. Amen. And then out of that, effectively love somebody else. Come on, now this is a big hindrance in many marriages. Because one person, they just don't like themselves, and, they, and it hinders them in many areas. They don't like the way they look. They don't like the way they feel. They don't like what they've accomplished. They regret so many things in life. And you cannot be a good spouse if you're overwhelmed with those feelings. I'm telling you, that is step number one in walking in the love of God. It's receiving God's love. Praise God. And so, we need to have God's love in us. God's love to us, God's love in us, and God's love through us. Now, now John 15 is, is real close there. Why don't you turn over? John 15, and uh, John 15 is where we ended last time in this message, and so we want to pick up there and uh, show you some more characteristics of love. We, we were talking to you about what love is not, and there's a whole lot of confusion in our world about the love of God, and people say it's one thing, but it's really not. We need to get our definitions from the Bible. John 15 and verse 9, 15, 9, 
Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, now when Jesus says here that we are to abide in his love, another word you might be able to put in there is live in his love. Where do you live? We'll, we'll give our address. I live on such and such street. That's where. Well, we could say you, that you abide there, right? And how many know it is more important where you abide internally than where you abide externally? A lot of people put a lot of their uh, uh, satisfaction or they, they make their joy dependent on their outward circumstances and conditions. And, and I know I had some, well, some relatives and years ago, I guess I still have them as relatives, and, but, but years ago, it seemed like they were always kind of unhappy, always going through different circumstances and problems and uh, internally, you know, marriage things and work things and just always just a lot of a lot of problems they couldn't get settled couldn't get happy couldn't get satisfied and and they'd run into one problem and so they'd move they'd go a couple cities over and kind of get a new house get a kind of get a new circle of friends and and just kind of start over again and after a while they messed that up and uh and and so they'd move again and and then later they moved to another state and 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 they kept going to all these places because nothing ever seemed to really work out right and what they didn't realize that wherever they went is they were still there (laughs) and uh, how many know wherever you go there you are (laughs) and unless we get things established on the inside that and really here's what it amounts to we abide in his love no outward thing is really going to ever satisfy us okay the right city does not exist that fixes the inside the right home the right job the right circle of friends the the right spouse none of that exists no person will fix you except for the love of God and if you'll abide in his love man you can live anywhere and be happy when I say anywhere in a general sense as believers we want to go where the Lord wants us to go but in a general sense you can live anywhere on the planet and be happy be fulfilled be satisfied listen how many know that uh you could go to Hawaii today and find some miserable people. Yeah, with a great view, great weather. They can walk down to the beach, let the water run through their toes and, and uh, uh, have great outward circumstances, what we think of as a good place to live according to the weather and all that. But they hate their life. They're miserable. You know, there are people who live in 30-room mansions that want to pull the trigger. That want to end their life. I mean, how many know that's not good prosperity? Sometimes we put a lot of focus on it. Come on, it's really what's happening on the inside. I mean, I take the 30-room mansion, but not, not if I'm suicidal. You know, not if I have a wife that's unfaithful. Not if I have, a ki- not if I have kids on drugs. Okay, we need, to, we need to understand things the way, uh, what's really important in life. And that is, I need to be established in the love of God, whether I'm in, on the beach, whether I'm in the desert, whether I'm in the mountains, whatever. It's not all about those things. And now you can be happy on the beach, or you can be miserable on the beach. You can be happy in the mountains, or be miserable in the mountains. But let's abide in His love. Abide in the love of God. He said in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He said, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, now here's again the connection. We want to be well established in our minds that we understand love and joy go hand in hand. If I'm abiding in love, I will be a happy camper. But if I live contrary to the love of God, which is basically selfish, then I will be miserable all my days. Selfishness is the source of sorrows. Whereas joy will produce a great, uh, love will produce great joy and satisfaction in life. Those who feel lacking, they feel empty or void somehow in their life, and they go about seeking to repair that, 
seeking to fill that void with things, with people, with trying to get things to go right, happen their way, they usually end up the most miserable people in life. Because you do not fill your joy cup by trying to fill it. By focusing on the emptiness of that cup and looking for somehow to fill it up. In fact, the, the method to a full joy life is just the opposite of that. It is the one that forgets about the cup. They ignore the fact that they are not full or happy or whatever they feel like is missing. And they focus on other people. Joy comes from a selfless life sorrow comes from a selfish life okay and if I will put my attention on meeting the needs and helping other people meeting the needs of and helping other people joy in my life will come automatically but if I am focused on me and what you can do for me and if I'm very cognizant of everyone that's ever done me wrong and how so many people are not treating me right I'm in for a long haul Okay, it's going to be a long, rough life for me to live. Okay, so there's a direct connection. He went on in verse 12 to say, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So what kind of love is he talking about? Love is a giving love. It's a love that lays down its life for his friends. And the thing that takes place as a result of laying down one's life is a full joy life. See, I'm telling you this for a reason. Man, I want you to be full of joy. I want you to be happy. I wouldn't even bother telling you this, but I want you to have this. So you've got to lay down your life. See, and this is contrary to the way, that, again, that most people think. We think about us and what can you do for me and fill me up. Come on, do your part. You have an obligation to me and my country owes me. My, you, my, my family owes me. No, people aren't doing their part in taking care of me. You, Big baby. <laughs> so the most miserable people in life are the most selfish people. They focus on making themselves happy, but they are the most unhappy and I would probably say it this way, that selfishness is the worst problem in the world. I know that's kind of a big statement, but you think how many things would go away if people would just stop being so stinking selfish. And that's easier to say than live. I'll admit to you, we all have flesh. I've been born of Him. Man, the love of God has been deposited on the inside of me. I am born of love, filled with love, but my flesh still wants my way. My flesh, flesh wants to push people out of the way so I can go first. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And this is what we must get a hold of if we're ever going to be happy. Okay. And again, I say that, but I shouldn't really be focused on my being happy. I'm not doing it so that that'll happen. I'm doing it just because I've got to be mindful of others and then I'll get the kickback. Okay. So our flesh will always cry for attention. Growing up really means that we learn to not let our flesh dominate us, but we learn to keep it under. Uh, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 21, and I'll show you this in living color. 1 Kings 21. Understand that Selfish people in life are the worst friends that you can have. Selfish people make the worst mates. Selfish people make the worst people to work for or work, have as employees or work with. They make the worst neighbors. They make the worst friends. It's just really not a good way to go. Let me show you. Where did I tell you to go? Yeah, 21. I'm in the right place. First Kings 21. Let me show you an example. And it came to pass in verse 1, after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard. 
that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house. For it, I will give you a vineyard better than it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Now, he's not, that's not, not just a figure of speech he's uh, presenting there. The Lord did forbid that, okay? This was an inheritance for his family. He was not supposed to sell it, okay? He was obeying God by saying to the king, uh, I can't do this. No, he was not being disrespectful. He was saying, the Lord forbids this. I, I can't sell you, that, sell you this. Even if I get a better one than this, I've got to keep this, okay? So Ahab went in to his house sullen and displeased because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him for he said I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers and he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food everybody say boo-hoo poor king Ahab you didn't get your little vegetable garden did you this is the king, isn't it? That's the king. Pouting. He's got his lip poked out. It's dinner time. They made food. I'm not hungry. And he goes and turns his head and lays on his bed. Because he didn't get the vegetable garden for himself. Amazing. Amazing. How many know just because someone's in a grown-up body <laughs> does not mean they are grown up? Do you think this is isolated to way back then? That was a long time ago. People used to do that. But now, we're more enlightened, aren't we? As a people, we have matured and grown up, and we can hardly believe someone would ever act that way. I got a feeling there's still some of these around today. I mean, certainly not here, but we can talk about them. Because you know, you know them, don't you? We won't call names, but... People who are in grown-up bodies that act like two-year-olds. We need to understand that that is contrary to the love of God. Direct opposite. Two-year-olds do not walk in love. What do they walk in? Self Selfishness. It's all about them. And they don't care. If you tell them you need to be, you need to be thinking about what other people think, they don't care that you said that. They're going to say, oh, and they're going to go start pushing and shoving and, and, and doing everything they can to make themselves happy anyway. They're going to try to get what they want. That's the nature of where they're at. Okay. But, you know, when they're 25, there should be a little bit of difference. And this is, a, you know, I always go back to marriage relationships because it's so common for people to struggle. This is one of the biggest problems is you've got two-year-olds who are married. I'm thinking there should be a law against that. <laughs> I'm not an expert in law, but can two-year-olds really marry? Here's how they pull it off. They get in grown-up bodies. <laughs> they grow on the outside. They get a driver's license. They can vote. They, you know, they, they, they get everything on the outside, and they pretend that they're adults. And they look to everyone else. So they go to file for a marriage license. They look at them and go, okay, here you go. And they just pull one over on everybody. And then you got two-year-olds going into marriage. And how many know it's a disaster ready to happen? Say, so what do you mean? What does that really look like? Kind of looks like this. They don't get their way. The lip comes out. They start to, they'll, they'll, their tears turn on. Manipulation starts happening. People don't, they're always talking about what, what they didn't get and they won't do this for me and they'll go and pout and, you know, apply the silent treatment and all that kind of good stuff, you know. They say, I read recently that the silent treatment was invented by kindergartners. <laughs> and, uh, but the problem is those kindergartners, just, they stayed in that way. Their outside body grew up, but because sometimes, I got to tell you, some, some parents let it happen. They really let it happen when that kid should have been, uh, you know. <laughs> they were allowed 
to have their tantrum in the grocery store. Right? They were allowed to act a certain way. And what happened is another selfish person came along and said, Oh, it's okay. I'll take care of that for you. And they were pandered to. And so they grew up on the outside. But on the inside, they learned that if I whine a little bit, if I complain a little bit, if I go hide my face in the pillow and act like I'm sad and I'm soft, you know, I'm hurting, then other people will give me what I want. And then they're married. If you've got two people that are married like that, oh, yikes. And I, can I tell you the truth? It's happening more than we want to acknowledge. People have not grown up, and they're still self-centered, still self-focused on everything that the other person can do for them. If you've got two people saying, if you just do this for me, well, I'd do that for you if you'd do this for me. That's a recipe for disaster. Marriage is supposed to be based on the divine love of God, which says it's not about how good you make me feel. It's about how I can make your life better. And if you have two people living like that, they're looking every day to see what they can contribute to the other person's happiness and fulfillment. Oh, man, that's a recipe for heaven on earth. Absolutely. Say, but okay, I'm willing to do it, but my spouse won't do it. You missed it already. You're making your actions contingent upon their actions. Just do it because it's right. It's the way to live. And let God deal with them. Okay? But if one person will start the the ball rolling, at least we're moving somewhere. At least we're coming out of kindergarten. So he wouldn't eat any food. But Jezebel, verse 5. How many named their kids Jezebel? amazing how they ruined some of these names it might have been a nice name you know like isabel and jezebel oh (laughs) she ruined this name but jezebel his wife came to him and said to him why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food he said to her because i spoke to naboth the jezreelite and he's and said to him Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. (laughs) So Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over all Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. I mean, no, that's not a good idea. (laughs) But that's the way she knew. She was the same way. And they they acted that way. And you pander to and cater to that kind of behavior. That is not the recipe. It's called, you know, and I, you know, I might be disrespectful of her to speak to her husband this way, but I would think, dude, you are the king, man. Would you get out of your bed? Would you stop acting like a child? Is your vegetable garden really that important? Okay, and people have all their priorities wrong, and uh, you know, you can read the rest of the story. What did Jezebel do? She set up Naboth, had him killed. There you go, you got your stuff. Let me know there's a difference between having things and having things the right way, and having things with joy, having things with satisfaction in your heart. Not all about what you have. I really don't think the Lord gives a rip too much about what we have, but He does care about how we get it. And if we're manipulating, we're twisting arms, and we're doing this and acting like a baby here, and and it's all about us, and if it means if we don't get it, we're just going to pout and cry, I don't think the Lord's real happy with that, okay? Let's get stuff, but let's do it His way. I remember years ago, I was uh, was at a, well, a friend and I, we were at a a buffet, and uh, we were standing in line, and we hadn't eaten for quite a while, I don't remember, and we were starving, and so... Uh, you know, you're sitting, you're standing in line there. It was a, kind of a long line. It's taken a while. And the, our stomachs were talking to us. But uh, thank God, I, you know, I was mature enough to handle it. He wasn't. The whole time we're in line there, he's just wa- yelping. I can't believe this has taken so long. Man, what in the world? Is-? And he's coming up with all this stuff. I'm thinking, wow, is your stomach really your God? <laughs> You know, can't you control that? I realize it's uncomfortable. I have one too. It's talking to me. But shut up. 
That's one of the best words we can use sometimes for ourselves. Now watch it with others, but uh, for yourself, shut up. Come on now, tell you, we need to tell our flesh to shut up, let your spirit dominate. That's where the love of God is. The flesh doesn't have it. All right. Now, uh, go, go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, the scripture says here in, in verse 1, But know that this, that in the last days perilous times will come. All right, we live in the last days. We can show you that from the Bible. I believe we live in the last of the last days. But in the, in the time in which we live, the Bible says clearly that perilous times will come. So if you're looking for everything to get better, don't. Now, it can get better for you in your own life as you walk with the Lord and, and exercise faith in His promises. Things can get better. But overall, in the world, don't expect things to just get rosy and, and, and everything's going to be great. Even if the elections go right. Is everything just going to be all fixed? No, it's not. So just save you a little disappointment. Uh, the time in which we live, there will be perilous times. Well, what's going to characterize these times? Verse 2 says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Wow, that's quite a commentary on our day. Say, this is what it's going to be like living in the last days, in the days preceding the return of the Lord, is people are going to love themselves. Yikes, that's the source of sorrows. That's going to make everything bad if everyone is consumed with and filled with themselves. People love themselves. If you read down at the end of verse 4, he said that also they would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And we've got a generation, we've got people who are in love with themselves and they're in love with pleasure and that's what they're pursuing. They're trying to manipulate people and circumstances and everything to fill their void in themselves. I'm Because I love me. I want to make me feel good. I'm going to use you to do it if I need to. And I'm going to be pleasured somehow in this life. And people will go to, no, to any extreme to fill that void. Watch out. If there is anything in your life that you want it so much that you'll do anything to get it. Like Ahab. I'd just do anything to get that. You need to leave that thing alone. Until you can live with it or without it. But if it comes to that point, it is dangerous territory. Okay? And so again, selfishness characterizes our day. And we know this, that relationships, God gave them to us. He wanted us to be in relationship with Him and relationship with each other. He created marriage and family and friendships and all these things. He created it for our joy. He wanted it to be a source of great refuge in our lives. And it can be a great blessing. Listen, I've, I know from, from being married, I've been single and I've been married. Marriage better. You know, if you're single and wondering, it's better. Now, you know, don't just go out and marry anyone because it could be hell on earth. Because, because here, here, here's the other side. Uh, the things that were designed by God to bring great satisfaction and joy also bring much sorrow. I mean, there are people, they are miserable because of their relationships that they're in. And they were designed to bring fulfillment and happiness to their life. Okay? It's all about how we uh, um, approach these. And the biggest problem in marriage, like we said, is really a lack of love. Not steamy hot tub love, but the love of God. A lack of divine selflessness where each person constantly puts the other person first. And many times people talk about it. They'll talk love and you know, use the words, I love you, I love you. But then they go ahead and put themselves before their mate. And that's contrary to that. How many know when, when, uh, when, when God so loved the world... In, in John 3.16, when God so loved the world, it didn't say that he got his megaphone out and yelled towards the earth, I love you! And everyone was happy. No, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. That's how love is manifest. It gives. 
If I love someone, I'm looking to give to them in some way to make their life better. Amen. In our, in our day, in our country, uh, it's being promoted and fed to us more and more through media outlets and all kinds of things that uh, basically you, it's all about you. It's this selfish kind of lifestyle. And uh, I, was, I was watching television just recently and on a news channel, they, were, uh, they did some man-on-the-street type interviews. And they were um, talking to teenagers about asking them questions about basically patriotism and, and things like that. And they asked questions like this of teenagers, random uh, teenagers. Uh, Do you owe your country anything? And they'd ask them questions like, would you ever consider serving in the military? The answers were horrible. Because they were, the, the answers were things like this. Well, what has my country ever done for me? And no way would they consider ever joining the military or giving their life or serving in some capacity. They're focused on, what has my country done for me? That is a recipe for disaster. This is a tragedy of our times and of the genera- generations coming up. And many of us in here have been influenced by that. Because we're, we're constantly bombarded with, if you pay attention to the media, about everything that's wrong. And you hear about governments messing up here and our country's bad in this, this regard. And we're evil here and we're causing this problem in the world. And if you pay attention to that, you'll think we're evil. And of course you wouldn't want to give your life or, or owe something to your country. But I can tell you, that's the devil, man. That is not the Spirit of God. It is not the way we are supposed to think. Come on now. This, it, it's a different time than when you were to go back years ago and people would give their lives for their country. And thank God there are people doing that today as well. But that spirit of laying down our lives for another has got to be in our life. Come on, we're born of Him. And our country has, has got to be a little bit more important. We can't live with this idea that everybody owes us something. And everybody owes me. You owe me and my country owes me. And man, two-year-old, they're focused on themselves. Look with me at Romans chapter 13. While I'm talking, while I'm at it, people think about church this way too. People think about church. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check out this church, see what they have to offer. See if they'll meet my needs. And I'm telling you, that is completely wrong. That is not the Spirit of God. God, I got a few amen, that's right. Here's, I'm telling you, here's what's lacking. It is the mindset that I've been saved, man. I've received from the Lord. I want to give. Where can I go and be a blessing? Not do they do everything that I like perfect and what can I get out of it? And don't get me wrong, there's a place to receive in church. It should be happening right now. But if that's our complete mindset that I'm just, it's just all about what I can get, you're going to be unhappy no matter where you go. You can go to the greatest and the latest, and they have everything jazzed here, and, and it's just like they got a, everything you could ever want. You'll get plugged in and, and go to all the stuff that you think meets your need. You'll come out on the other side empty. Not because they're doing a bad job, but because you go in with the wrong mindset. If we're all focused on us, that's not love. That's called selfishness. It produces sorrow. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're listening. <laughs> Let's have a con- the idea, have this mo- mantra about ourselves. I'm looking for somewhere that I can be a blessing. I'm looking for somewhere where I can serve, I can contribute, I can add to. Come on, this is the kingdom of God we're talking about. This is, this is what we're all involved with. Let's go, let's go for it. Romans 13, you know, we've been using this as one of our texts uh, up until today. <laughs> 
Uh, but I want to read it again. Verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. No, no, notice this language. Don't owe anybody anything but or except to love one another. Do you have any debts? You do. Every one of us do. So I don't owe anybody anything. Yes, you do. You owe the love of God. If you owe someone some money, pay them back. But you're never going to pay this back sufficiently to where, okay, I'm done. You're on your own now. I'm back to focusing on me. I've already paid my debt of love towards you. We're all, we are, all are indebted to each other. We all are to show, say all are real fast. <laughs> all right, you're better than me. <laughs> We are all to show the love of God all the days of our lives to each other. That's got to be the way we live. This is how the love of God works. He said, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. When you say love does no harm, that basically makes me analyze everything I do, and I have got to analyze all my decisions and all my actions in light of how it affects somebody else. And if what I'm doing pleases me but hurts somebody else, man, I've missed it. And ultimately, it's going to kick back on me, and I'm, going to be, I'm not going to be happy about it anyway. But we've got to judge what we're doing in light of how it affects somebody else. We owe love. Your flesh will always want to strike back. It's built in. And you can't make it go away until the rapture takes place. We get clothed with new, uh, a new, fit, new body, spiritual body like unto the Lord's glory to God. Until then, your flesh is going to keep reminding you of who you are. Look out for number one. Make sure they do their part, take care of you. They owe you something. That welfare mentality. The flesh likes welfare. Even though you never fare well. But it likes the idea. I do nothing and somebody else does it for me. We've got to crush that, man. Keep that, keep that down. Look across the page. Uh, to the chap- 12th chapter. Across the page in my Bible. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Notice this, repay no one evil for evil. Why would he say that? Well, Paul, he's writing to Christians here. Repay no one evil for evil. Christians wouldn't do that. They would never try to get back at someone, would they? No one you know, right? No Christian would ever try to get back. <laughs> Obviously, Christians have an issue with flesh. In their spirit has been deposited the love of God, but this flesh is saying, get them back. They hit you, hit them back harder. <laughs> Come on now. Say, that wouldn't be me. Stand up. <laughs> I, I need a, I need a vol- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need a volunteer to hit. <laughs> See if your flesh talks to you afterward. <laughs> The flesh wants to strike back, you know, like, uh, like I can remember years ago, long, long time ago, <laughs> you know, when you get on the road and, uh, you know, you got a speed limit of, you know, 50 miles an hour and someone's going like 40, which is, which is sin. <laughs> You know, and you can't get around them. Maybe there's someone else doing 40 right next to them. On a do- yeah. That's so ungodly. Anyway, you finally get around them and go 30. <laughs> you would never think that way, would you? And I, Well, I think that way once in a while, but I don't yield to that. But I'm telling you, that's the mindset of the flesh. You do me wrong, repayment, sowing and reaping. You've sowed, and I'm going to help you reap. (laughs) 
doing the Bible here, just staying in line with the Word. How many know we are to have no part in helping someone reap negative things? In reality, what what does the love of God compel us to do? If you're doing wrong, I know about sowing and reaping, okay? But I'm going to get in the middle of it and pray. Lord, I don't want, to, don't want them to reap from this. They did me wrong, and it's going to come back on them unless something happens. Lord, bless them. Lord, convict them. Help them to see the error of their ways so they'll change. And then you go bless the person. That's the part that we're going to have to play. Not trying to get them to reap negative results from their negative actions. Okay? He said, repay no one evil for evil. Someone does you wrong. Someone rips you off. They rip you, rip you off financially. What do you do? You don't get back. You don't get back at them. No. Someone talks about you behind the, behind your back, says things that are not true. What do you do? Well, some people they'll go start telling someone else. Well, they said this about me, and it's not true. And not only that, they always do this. In fact, they have a pro- <laughs> and you start taking them down. It'll happen to you before you even recognize it if you're not used to stopping this. Because the flesh just does that. It wants to get back. It wants to get even. It wants to level the score. He said, have regard for, for good things in the sight of all men. Notice it's not just in the sight of God. So as long as God knows I'm doing right. How many know it's important that as much as is, is possible with us that we do things that are right and godly in the sight of people too? Well, the Lord knows my heart. I know, but people don't. Come on now, we need a good testimony. All right, you just chew on that one for a while. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, if possible, sometimes you can't make the other person act right. You can't get them to cooperate, can't get them to to do right, but as much as is possible with you. Never let there be strife and contention and division as a result of your actions and your words. As much as it's possible with you, man, there's going to be peace everywhere. If someone else completely refuses to go along with it, you can't make them. But you're going to do right. That's our responsibility. I'm not going to be the cause of conflict and strife and all that baloney. Come on now, strife is the devil. That's, that's the way he manifests. God manifests in peace where there's strife. I tell you for certain the enemy is at work there. Listen, if you have strife in your home, everyone's always bickering and fighting. And I got to tell you, that's more than just an inconvenience. That's, a, that's the presence of the devil. So how do I get rid of that? You say, forgive me. I've been acting like a baby. I've been allowing this to dominate me. I, and you take responsibility for your part. And then you refuse to argue refuse to be in strife and the peace of God will start flowing in your house amen and you'll find that in that place man think where people used to get sick all the time it'll stop some of that is just a result of the atmosphere that's created in people's homes they allow those things to think about it now Come on now, where God is, there's peace and there's joy and there's not much opportunity for the enemy to mess up people's finances and their physical bodies and their emotions. It just, it's just not there. But when people are yielding to the Spirit of God, good things happen. When people are bickering and fighting and putting themselves first, it's all about me, that's the place where the enemy gets a foothold. And you'll find people constantly battling little this, little putting out little fires all the time. Think about the atmosphere. How can you change the, the environment in your house, in your home, or in your job? How can you change it? Here's one of the best ways. It's simply called yielding to the love of God. You yield to it. You refuse to get involved with anything that's less than that. Okay, now, uh, let's, let's finish up here. He said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oftentimes, when someone does us wrong and we take it into our own hands, we take it out of the hands of God. Okay? Uh, that's where we need to back off and say, listen, pay, judgment day's coming. But I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And really, God doesn't want them to suffer. That's why he gave, Je- he gave Jesus so they can get off. But they, knew my, they must turn. 
You know, uh, just a number of years back before Brother Hagin went, to, uh, went, went uh, to be with the Lord, he was sharing some stories uh, about what the Lord had said to him that he didn't share for so many years because we had always kn- knew and he would talk about because of his ministry of healing and he, had the, he was an outgoing, uh, you know, people call him the modern day father of faith because of his teaching on faith, just tremendous. And uh, people would attack him because of it. Okay, and they would criticize him, call him everything but a good guy, and, and uh, he would never say a word. Never say a word, wouldn't respond. They wanted to debate with him and do all these things, and he'd just, nah. He'd say, I'm too busy doing the will of God. I'm too busy doing what God's called me to do to mess around with this, all this baloney. And, uh, you know, some of us who were less mature kind of wished he would. We're like, just tell him. Come on, just show him. You can you just tell him, tell him the way it is, and he, and he wouldn't deal with it. He, w- he, w- he wouldn't touch it. He, he even said, if someone said that I killed my grandma, I wouldn't take time to deny it. He said, I'm just busy, be busy doing the will of God. And one day, he started sharing. He said, the Lord Jesus appeared to me at this particular time. It was early on in his ministry. When he talked to him about having a healing ministry, he said, you're going to be persecuted for this. The Lord Jesus told him. He said, people will attack you because of this. And because of this message of faith, because of this, uh, the, the ministry of healing, uh, he said, people will come against you. They'll attack you. He said, don't you ever answer them. And we all understood <laughs> why he would never say anything. I mean, that's pretty, pretty straight. He said, don't ever answer them. He said, some of them, they'll pay for it in this life. And I'm putting, putting this in my own words. He said, some of them, they'll, it'll cost them in this life, and some of them I'll deal with later. He said, but don't you ever deal with it. And so he wouldn't. I think that's good advice. We always feel like we've got to defend. Oh, no, I didn't do this and this, this. Man, just get busy with doing the love of God. Love people, bless people. That was one of the outstanding characteristics of his life. Not so much, I mean, it was there, but about the faith and that kind of thing. It was really the love of God. That propelled him to great success, and, and I can tell you firsthand about that. But uh, I, I want to finish up here today. Let me show you two quick more scriptures, okay? First uh, Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5. Remember in Romans, he said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How, do, how, does, one, uh, how does one not be overcome by evil? Well, you're overcome by evil by simply by repaying evil. When someone does you wrong and you repay them, you've just been overcome by that evil. When someone does us wrong, we're not overcome by, by evil in that situation. But when we respond to it in the flesh by getting back at them, that's when they've got us. That's when evil has overcome in our lives. Praise God. Don't go around cursing darkness. Just turn on the light. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Again, same concept. There must be a need for it. Do not render evil for evil. You are going to have evil come against you in this life. If you've not yet, you are the only one. And get ready. How do I get ready? I know how I'm going to respond. I'm not going to hit them back. I'm going to bless. I'm going to pray for. I'm going to do good. I'm going to buy them a gift certificate. I'm going to wash their car. I'm going to say something good about, good about them behind their back. And so no one ever even knows. They don't even know. I'm just going to operate in the love of God. Watch now. Things are going to change for you. 1 Peter 3, in closing. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Someone comes against you, how do we respond? With blessing. That's the way the love of God is. Now listen, this love has come to us. It is in us 
and we're learning about it. God is teaching us so that we know what to yield to. We've got to clearly recognize, okay, this is the flesh here, and this is the love of God. Because each time we're going to make a choice. How am I going to react? How am I going to respond? How am I going to deal with this difficult person in my life? Am I going to react or am I going to respond in love? Only one way works. Okay? You can get down in the nursery with them. You can whine and cry and be selfish and perpetuate it, be overcome by evil, or say, no, now it's time for me to take the higher road. Time for me to take a, uh, the more godly stance here. I'm going to do what the weakest people in our country won't do. And they may be 300 pound massive muscle weak. Not about the outward condition. Not about someone's stature or financial status. Is what is someone made of? How much adversity can they stand up to? How much can they take before they're going to react and strike back? That measures the strength of a person. And if you can handle much, and you keep a smile on your face, sometimes you bite your tongue in the back, eh, but you say, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to do this person right even when we're doing wrong. Not talking, we're talking maturity there. We're talking the substance that causes us to succeed. Father, thank you now for every person here, for the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you for you, that you are uh, moving us forward. <laughs> in love we're not going back we're not drawing back we're not going back to a previous state where we lived in the flesh where we were dominated dominated by the spiritual evil forces in this world but lord we move forward in faith today and purpose in our hearts to let the love of god dominate us in all areas not repaying evil for evil but laying down our lives for each other for by this all the world knows that we belong to you father help us all i pray strengthen us in our spirits today in the inner man to rise up and conquer and 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 keep the flesh down so that the love of god might shine through us brightly to all who come in contact with us may this be a defining characteristic of our lives of this church of what you're doing in us that the love of God would abound yet more and more in wisdom and all judgment Lord thank you for moving in us for working through us today you are the light of our lives the joy <laughs> the joy of our lives we give you praise we honor we bless you